Welcome to West Sussex Doula, Season 1. Enjoy. Welcome to episode one, season one of West Sussex Stoolers podcast. Um, I've got Kirsty and Lily with me today. Hello. Hello. Hi. A beautiful Lily on you as well. Yeah. Oh, bless her. Snoozing. Oh, bless her. Well, hopefully, so hopefully she she'll remain, remain quiet throughout. We'll see. <laughs> um, so Lily was born 4th of January. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. And you're an East Surrey mum, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Oh, lovely. Um, right. So I sent you a little thing to fill in, didn't I, before we did all of this, just so you yeah. could kind of brainstorm and I could kind of brainstorm. Um, yeah. So the first thing that you said to me was you had really good antenatal care. Um, yeah. So do you want to talk me through that? Yeah, I mean, um, and I don't know whether it was maybe having low expectations, but I thought Horsham did really well. Um the only appointment that I had that was over the phone was the initial booking. Yeah. Um, at my 12 week scan, I saw, a, I saw a midwife. Um, and then from 16 weeks onwards, all of my appointments were face to face. Whereas I know some mums in different areas were having difficulties with um, getting face to face appointments. Um, I think there was one actually around 24 weeks that happened over the phone or perhaps didn't happen. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I thought it was great. Anytime I would ring with any concerns and they would answer um, voicemail on their answer machine, they'd get back to me within 24 hours. Um, if there was any times that I needed to go up to um, East Surrey for the uh, maternity assessment unit, again, they got me in straight away. So oh, there that's was, amazing. yeah, I've, I've found it really, really good. And because I'm a first time mum, there was that anxiety a little bit about, you know, what's it going to be like am I going to be looked after within COVID how's it all going to be but yeah it went fine good wonderful oh that's really good because yeah I have heard um some real conflicting opinions about it you know a lot of people apart from their 12-week scan had everything done virtually everything was all oh. over the phone even their booking in appointment was over the phone as well was yours yeah, I mean that was the only one that was over the phone mm um and it was a bit I mean I, I guess when you're newly pregnant you're impatient aren't you and you want yeah. uh, you know I wanted to see someone and wanted to know that I was kind of being looked after so I guess it was a little bit frustrating but I guess being able to compare my care to other people's I feel quite grateful yeah that actually you know everything else was in person yeah absolutely um so you said you had to isolate self-isolate towards the end yeah how so many weeks was, was that <laughs> I was 39 weeks it was the week before my due date oh god it was yeah it was I was very very anxious actually um because also I think I was in um slow labor okay so um I was close contact with someone who tested positive for um coronavirus so I'd seen them 24 hours before that they had developed symptoms so yeah in all honesty I don't know how me and my husband managed to dodge it but mm. thankfully we did but we had to isolate for 10 days and um it was the worst 10 days of the whole pregnancy probably my I was driving my husband crazy I was taking my temperature 
a thousand times a day just to check that I was okay. And then I was overanalyzing everything that I felt. So if I had a headache, I was overanalyzing that if I had a sore throat. And looking back and now kind of reflecting on the fact that I think that I was in slow labor, mm. some of this, this, what I was experiencing being in slow labor was similar to what I might have experienced having COVID. Oh, right. So what I mean is like the headache and the just generally fatigue and feeling a bit unwell. Yeah. So I was all of those things. I was thinking, is it COVID? Is it not? Um, Thankfully it wasn't. I did have to go into the maternity assessment unit during that week and they, it was, they treated me really well. It was fab actually. Um, I had, it was the quickest I'd been in four times and that was the quickest time that I, I was in and out within 45 minutes I had my went straight into a private room they were all PPP'd up PPE'd up it was <laughs> yeah and it ran really really smoothly so um that, so it was an, frustrating that I had to go in I thought that I potentially was leaking waters but I wasn't okay um but I the fact that they um yeah looked after me so quickly and so well it was it was good and I had missed some antenatal appointments because I was um isolating so also having that reassurance like getting my blood pressure taken and all that and and knowing that so close to the end of pregnancy that everything was okay as well Mm. oh brilliant so were you put on a monitor when you got there um no because it was for potential leaking waters I just did my blood pressure dipped my urine and then just checked to see whether there was any waters that were leaking Mm. um so and thankfully there wasn't I hadn't the movements were fine at that point so okay. I didn't have any concerns so yeah no they didn't and obviously they just um found heartbeat with the Doppler yeah okay um so you said you had to go into the maternity assessment unit four times so yeah. was that over that period or was that before um so it was I can't I can't remember specifically kind of when they were but it was like within the last probably three months of the pregnancy mm. um I went in once for reduced movements yeah once because I had done my um testing my blood pressure at home and it was high and I got into a panic and I wasn't seeing the midwife for another week and a half so um I called that was one of the times when I called the community midwife and they suggested going up and just getting a blood pressure check done mm. so yeah. they monitored me um for half an hour take my blood pressure every five minutes yeah um at that point and it, it was all fine um and then I went in once for the potential thought of leaking waters and then a final time which was actually um my due date and I gave birth at 40 plus one so I gave birth the following day oh my god yeah um and that was because I had um there was some protein in my urine and I had ha- had headaches, as I'd said the week before, mm. when I was isolating, I'd had some headaches right. and they were just a little worried about potential preeclampsia. But yeah. um, looking back and kind of researching, I wonder whether the protein in my urine was there because I was about to give, my, about to give birth and about to go into labour because it was that night at 3am that my waters broke. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, yeah better safe than sorry yeah it was my midwife actually because I had an appointment that day and she was the one who said I want you to go up Mm. um I probably wouldn't have 
kind of gone up or, or or thought to go up but she was like no I just want you to go get double checked and I was like yeah better to be safe than sorry yeah so I I mean I haven't actually been up to the hospitals um since we've actually had COVID you know I haven't I haven't been anywhere really yeah. so on the maternity assessment unit so we're, obviously everybody's wearing PPE and everything else yeah. um how many what, did you see many other women up there or did you have to distance even more than um, you would normally so the that in when you kind of go into wait you wait in the corridor and there's seats that are set out socially distanced mm. um obviously your partner isn't allowed to come into the hospital with you um even for those um you know even to wait in the corridor um although he did come the final time I think um yeah. when he, he did come and sit in the corridor that time but all the others um he didn't I actually drove myself up um because there was <sighs> Because East Surrey's quite far away and it was the middle of winter, yeah. I thought, and from my experience, I was up there for hours, um, kind of four plus hours on most occasions because oh. they were there was quite a lot of women in. Um, I didn't want him waiting in the car park mm. and freezing. Yeah, yeah of course. So, um, it, and at the, because at those points it wasn't things that were... Um, kind of overly concerning actually he did come up with me when the the final or the one where I thought I was leaking waters mm-hmm. um so thankfully that one was short because um you know it's 45 minutes that time so he only had to wait and I didn't have to wait for that long and um, but all the others yeah I drove myself up and um he in an ideal world and pre-covid he would have come and he would have sat with me and been there yeah of course. Um, but obviously he wasn't able to so it just made more sense and they would tend to be late at night that I was going up um so also I didn't want him to um you know he had work the next day as well so I didn't want him to be missing out on getting rest not that he rested much when he was worrying about me up there (laughs) but you know wanted him to be comfortable yeah of course oh bless him so did you manage to have the 12 week and 20 20 week scans together could he come in for those he could come in for the 20 week but not the 12 Yeah, and it was quite tough, actually, because we sadly um, suffered a miscarriage in December 2020. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, so the 12-week scan was a massive deal for us. Um, And the anxiety around that and the anxiety in the first 12 weeks to um, know whether everything was going to be okay. Mm. Um, It was hard not having him there. Um, But thankfully, everything was fine. Um, and he walked up and met me so that when I was finished he was there um, afterwards but yeah oh no that's good at least at least he was there for the 20-week scan because I know there's been um, there's been some women who haven't been able to have their partners at any of their scans Mm. and that's an awful you know I mean there are some midwives who will let them do like a FaceTime call when they're actually in the room I think that just depends on the trust though but yeah, and I mean, I know that um, we didn't, I know that private scans were kind of running and were letting people in at, at those times. And it was something that we talked about, but um, it was a, a private scan that we found out that we had lost the baby the last time, that there was no heartbeat. Right. And we didn't have a very sensitive experience with the private scan. Um, it was, yeah, they didn't really kind of explain anything and, and it was just very cold. So, um we were kind of put off them so we didn't really want to pay for for 
a private scan but we did say that if he wasn't able to come to the 20 week we would have paid prior so that he would have got an, an opportunity to um you know see Lily on the screen and see the heartbeat and and things like that but yeah. um but thankfully he could come for the 20 weeks so um, we didn't have to oh good what hospital was that then where did you have to go for your scans was it Crawley um, no, Horsham. Horsham. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, good. Horsham. Yeah. Um, I had to, I was a consultant led, so um, I had a scan booked. My later scans were at East Surrey. Yeah. Which was annoying having to go. I nearly didn't end up in East Surrey, actually. <laughs> the um, I just assumed it would have been in Horsham, and I had one at 34 weeks. And the night before, I was just like, I'm just going to double check my letter. And thank goodness I did, because it was at East Surrey, and I hadn't catered enough um time in work to get myself up to East Surrey oh, so no. I've managed to juggle things around but I was a bit like I could have just ended up in Horsham and then <laughs> they would have looked at me like what are you doing here yeah. <laughs> oh bless you um so let's go to the uh so Lily was born late on the fourth is that right yeah. so you were in labor with her from early hours to late yeah. okay yeah so my my wall broke at 3 a.m on the 4th yep and then Lily wasn't born until 2239 wow yeah and it was I mean it all felt a bit like a blur actually um the that whole period of time it went so quickly considering mm. um and yeah so but it was thinking back, it was quite a long time. And by the end, I was absolutely knackered. Yeah. So let's go. So everyone likes to tell their birth story. So you yeah. can share all of yours <laughs> with me. <laughs> so 3 a.m. So you say your water so your waters went at 3 a.m. Yeah. So well, I can't I woke up. Well, I wasn't sleeping very well and I was having um very mild contractions at yeah. that point yeah I didn't realize they were contractions um so I got out of bed to go get some paracetamol mm -hmm. and I think I went to the toilet first actually I went to the toilet and some water just came out on its own and I was like that's a bit weird but whatever went back to bed um came to get some paracetamol and then felt a lot more water and I was like oh, I'm not sure this is quite right. Um, so then went to the toilet and yes, my waters definitely had gone. But I was um, group B strep positive earlier right. on in the pregnancy. Mm. So um, that meant that I had to get up to hospital fairly swiftly so that they could give me antibiotics. Yeah. Um, so yeah, called them and they said, yep, come on up. So off we went and we were there by quarter four, assessed pretty quickly. Um there was a midwife waiting for me as, oh, when good. I arrived. Mm. Yeah. Um, assessed, yep, what was had definitely gone because of the group B strep. Well, they 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 initially said that I was going to go to the induction ward, so Chris wouldn't have been able to come in. Okay. Um, but then they something must have another decision was made and it was decided that I would actually go straight to delivery. So Chris could stay. So thankfully Chris was with he was allowed to come into the assess triage assessment with me and he stayed until Lily was born um so we went into delivery um had my antibiotics I was contracting and they were regular um but they weren't that painful so I think that they were kind of 
worried that they weren't gearing up as quick as they would have hoped they would have. So um, on seven, by 7.30, I was on the Syntocin drip. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and they got very painful. Um, yeah, they do. But sadly, I wasn't dilating. Um, they The one thing that I was a bit frustrated about, I guess, um, in that period of time was that I'd paid for an antenatal class um, prior, which was fab. It was really, really great. And I'm really glad I did it. Um, most of it was on via Zoom, but we did get to meet up in the, the break of the, some of the lockdowns and got a couple of classes face to face. And 100% was worth the money that we paid for it. Um, but one of the things that I had been told was that they would give me a birthing ball or there'd be a birthing ball available to use. But yeah. because of COVID, they weren't. Oh, so, no. Yeah. So, and if I'd known, I would have taken mine. Um, but because I didn't know and I just assumed that they'd be able to give me one, um, I, yeah, I, I didn't take it. So that was a shame because I had would imagine I would have been able to be a lot more mobile or a lot more yeah, flexible around moving if I had that. But mm-hmm. instead, the only kind of position I could do when I was standing was leaning on the bed. Yeah. Um, which got... I'm gonna say got boring quite quickly but wasn't kind of (laughs) something that I yeah wasn't finding it very comfortable um so I spent them and this is probably didn't help me not progressing but so I spent a lot of it sitting down Mm. um so yeah they checked me at 3 30 and said she said to me before she checked me said I have a feeling that you're not going to be as dilated um as we hope but either that or you've got really good pain management. And I was right. like, oh, it gets worse than this because <laughs> it was feeling quite, I was feeling, you know, that they were quite intense and they were very frequent. They were coming, you know, thick and fast mm. as I know that they do when you, when you have the drip. Um, so yeah, she checked me and I was three centimeters. Um, so she said at that point, she said, I don't know what they'll do. I need to go and speak to the consultant, but they'll either um, give you another four hours or they might suggest a c-section and I was pretty against having a c-section at at that point um anyway the midwife left and I then I started talking to my husband about it and I was like but I can't do another four hours of this um so I said I'm just going to tell them that I just want the c-section and then hopefully that we can you know baby will be here and and it will be fine um she came back in with the consultant and I said that to them and they said we want to try you for another four hours, but how about we give you an epidural? And I said, yeah, fine. I was all up for epidurals on my birth preference. Um, one of the things that I said to them was, if I ask for drugs, give me them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't against it at all. And I knew that if I did need to have a C-section, if I didn't progress the way that they wanted me to, um, then I was going to need a spinal or an epidural anyway mm-hmm. so I thought I might as well be able to get some rest or you know have a calmer next four hours whilst I'm waiting um and it was the best decision I made that epidural was amazing um the person who the anaesthetist who did the epidural was absolutely fantastic um I don't can't kind of remember this but Chris said that she owned that room oh um, that's good yeah and I think he felt really confident in in her um which probably made him relax which would have helped me relax yeah um but yeah no that was all fine epidural worked like magic um but four hours later I still hadn't dilated um and to be honest 
well, I, if, if I had dilated to four centimetres and I was in active labour, I still would have had to wait another six centimetres before I could start pushing. So yes, and they and if you they say what you dilate, uh, what is, is it a half a centimetre? Up to a centimetre, yeah, every hour or so, yeah. So that would have been another six hours. And I, so in a way, (laughs) I'm glad that it happened the way it did because it meant that Lily was here and, you know, it was kind of over. Um, So, yeah, at 8.30, they made, no, 7.30, so they made the decision for Mm -hmm. C-section. But there was another woman who was in the um, delivery suite who's, they were also making a decision about a C-section. Her baby was in distress, whereas Lily, they said Lily was the best behaved baby that they had on the delivery suite. Because her heart rate stayed at 140 the whole day. Um, I had some pethidine as well. And they said that sometimes babies' heart rates can dip when yeah. you have pethidine. Mm-hmm. Not Lily's. Stable. The whole, the whole way, 140. Um, <laughs> so because she was so well behaved, um, obviously the, the mum with the baby in distress went first. Yeah. Um, so that's why from it was from 7.30, Lily wasn't born until 10.30. Um, but yeah, pre- then prepped us for surgery. We went down. That was fab. Um, the it all went off quite smoothly. Um, I don't really remember much from there on out, though. Um Obviously, Lily was born. Passed her to me. We had some skin to skin. Chris oh, called, good. which was lovely. Good. Yeah. I, straight away, they passed her to me. So that was um, that was fab. And then um, after the cord was cut and they'd done everything they needed to do, um, passed her back. Though that, what felt like 50 years, which was probably only about three seconds until Lily started crying, was yeah. the longest period of time in my life. Yep. <laughs> like, it was, I was like, she cried yet (laughs) um but yeah and they positioned Chris so that he was able to watch if he wanted wow yeah so he was sat on the corner so he was by my head but he could just peek around the curtain and have a look if he wanted and at one point he turned around to me and said can you feel anything and I was like no I think (laughs) what can you feel and I said no I can't feel anything he went there's four pairs of hands inside you I was like oh okay um but the only thing I could feel is a bit of tugging when they were doing me up mm. um I couldn't feel them pull her out I couldn't feel them open me up I couldn't feel any of that yeah so um and she was a very healthy nine pound seven wow so yeah um so we went down to recovery um that's where it all gets very hazy I don't really remember much and that's kind of where I have some maybe not so positive feelings around the birth okay um, yeah because I've had to Chris has had to tell me um kind of what happened from there on mm-hmm. on out um I felt very unwell the, the drugs were making me feel all sorts of things I was sh- shaking yes um, and itchy and very very itchy mm. I do remember those and then um we were in re- recovery for quite a while so bearing in mind she was born at 22 39 I didn't get taken up to the ward until 3 30 um but they told me around must have been about 1am that we were going up I was going up soon um and Chris had obviously been up nearly 24 hours by this point um and he started to get me ready to move and then the midwife went oh no not that quickly um but I then said to Chris you might as well go home because 
you've been up for hours we're just waiting to move up to the ward now mm. you've still got to drive home um and you're knackered so and also me thinking that we'll be going up in you know 10 15 20 minutes not two hours <laughs> <laughs> so but also because I was in recovery and there was a bed waiting for me they they didn't have a cot for Lily so um I was holding her the whole time um which was fine until I projectile vomited um oh. Lily on one hand projectile vomited all over the bed shouting to the midwife to come and help um yeah and then went up to the ward and I mean that kind of is where I would say the positive bit ended Mm-hmm. I found the postnatal ward incredibly hard. Okay. Um, I think because I think they were quite short staffed. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was obviously quite a lot of mums um, that had given birth and things like that. So there was lots of people around. Um, having a C section, which was unexpected as well. So I hadn't really prepared for that. Um, I wasn't mobile. Um, so yeah. I couldn't just pick Lily up. Um, they did ask to, at one point to, to do I want to do they want to mobilize me but I hadn't had any sleep and I was absolutely knackered so I said I need to get some sleep first and then mm. can we do it later <laughs> um, but the one thing that I struggled with I guess is that I'm being a first-time mom and maybe naively so the phrase never wake a sleeping baby is something that I've heard a lot however that was never caveated with unless they're newborn and they need feeding and they're not waking up to be fed. So I didn't realise I was supposed to be waking her up every two to three hours for feeding. So I wasn't. Yeah. Um, kind of no one told me that and not being mobile. And even when I was mobile, still not being full uh, full strength. Mm. Um, no one was kind of coming and saying, do you want me to pass her to you? Is it time for her to be fed? Can I, you know, can I help? Um, so that was really tricky. And I think that, at Lily's day five appointment, she had lost um, 8% of her birth weight, which is actually not too bad. Um, and definitely not too bad considering the fact that for the first two days when we were in hospital, we were barely fed her. Nice. Um, and also, but the one good thing was that it meant that one of the midwives um, did the first meconium poo. So I got to miss out on, on doing that. <laughs> because someone else did it for me um but yeah um so that was quite hard and yeah just kind of really not knowing what to do and not having Chris there I think because if Chris had been able to be there he would have passed me the baby yeah of course he would yeah and you know she would have spent a lot more time between us um instead of kind of in the cot Mm. um I know Chris found that really hard as well, only being able to come visit for an hour. Um, and also knowing that I needed help um, and not being able to to kind of get it. Um, and it was quite lonely. I don't know what it would have been like in, in non-COVID times, but the, other, the mums on the, on the ward didn't really interact with each other. Or, you know, so it, it felt like quite an isolating time. Mm. Um, and I was also really I, I wanted I knew that I wasn't going to get, get out the next day because I had Lily so late I knew that they weren't going to be discharging me at 11 p.m at night and yes. um 
after the C-section, you need to be in for a minimum of 24 hours. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so um, I knew that I wasn't going to get out. And there was a mum that I heard in the bay next to me who earlier on in the day, the midwife had said, I'm going to get your discharge paperwork ready for you so you can be discharged at nine. She was like, great, fine, called her partner, whatever. Great, yes, coming home. And then one of some other midwives came up later and said, actually, we think you need to stay um, because you haven't got breastfeeding down yet. We're worried about kind of you, the, the feeding. Um, and I hadn't had breastfeeding down. I was finding it incredibly hard. Um, Lily would latch with the support of someone there, but then they would walk away and then she'd unlatch and I wouldn't be able to get her to relatch. And it was just very, very stressful. Mm. Um, so I was really, this, this is now Wednesday, my milk had started to come in, so my hormones were all over the place. Um, but um, I was petrified that they weren't going to send me home. But I needed to go home because I needed I needed Chris's help. Yeah, of course, um, yeah. And I needed to be able to feel like I could breastfeed comfortably and get it down and work at it and do it in the comfort of my own home. Mm-hmm. And I also needed to feel like Lily, and I know I shouldn't have felt like this, but she was crying and I couldn't stop her at like 2am um whatever time it was and I felt like I was just waking up the whole of the rest of the ward and disturbing them whereas if I'm at home I don't care if she cries and wakes Chris up because you know he's You're dad and he's together. Have to yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I felt and I remember at one point thinking that Lily and the baby next to um us were tag teaming each other because one would start crying and then the other one would start crying and they were kind of having this battle of who could cry louder. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just wanted to be home, but I was very honest. And I said that to the midwife. So I said, I feel like you're not going to let me go home because I've got breastfeeding down. Mm. I said, but I need to be at home for my own mental health to try and get this down for Lily, but also to have support because yeah. I, I'm not yeah. getting what I need here. Um, and they had, you know, that midwife was fab and she did everything she could to get me out and, we were on our way home by 3 p.m. that day. Um, but I was also a little bit concerned because she was a bit, little bit yellow. So I was a little bit worried that, about her jaundice level. Um, so they tested her and um, thankfully she was below the line. And when the doctor came and told me that he was also, I think that, that was probably why she was sleepy because she was a little bit jaundiced, but mm-hmm. not enough to need treatment. Um, and the doctor come, who came back to tell me and he said, right, so she's below the treatment line. And I just burst into tears because I knew that that midnight I could go home um, because if I hadn't, um, if she needed the phototherapy, I would have needed to be in for at least another 24 hours. So I just burst into tears and bless him. He's trying to tell me some, give me some tips on how to wake her up to feed her. And, and I'm just crying and I'm like, don't worry, they're happy tears because it means I can go home. And then he just like tapped me on the shoulder and was like... <laughs> See you later. We didn't even finish what you're saying. Bless. <laughs> so, what yeah. were the um, the visiting hours for the partners then? So, was he? Did you say it was just literally just an hour a day? An hour. Yeah, oh and it had to be God. booked, and you weren't able to because you were he, he wasn't able to come at a time that any of the other mums were having their visitors visiting. Oh no. So yeah. Um, so thankfully, on the first day. He had got the um, last slot. So because there was no one coming in after him, no one came and pestered him to go. So he probably stayed for about an hour and a half because he didn't want to upset the midwives by 
taking the Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he was like, oh, you know, stay for an hour and a half, but it's like, I'm going to go because I want to come back tomorrow and I don't want them to be annoyed at me for <laughs> over overstaying my welcome kind of thing. Um, and then he was one of the earliest lots because they had said that if you get him to come up early and then hopefully if everything goes well and you can go home, then he can come back in the afternoon to pick you up. So yeah. And um, bless him, he has to do two two trips to East Surrey that day, but um, I don't think he minds. Oh, too it's much worth it. Bringing us back, yeah. Oh, it's good that they're only asking you to stay in twenty four hours now. Um, when I had my first child, um, I had a C section as well, and I had to be in for three days. So can you imagine if that had been the situation? I think there would have been a lot of tearful mums on the postnatal ward. I do wonder if that's why they're saying 24 hours. Oh, hello, Lily. (laughs) I do wonder, yeah, I wonder if that's why that they've moved it down. Obviously, you have to be mobile, you have to have passed urine, and they have to see you walking around. Yeah. I think that having an emergency C-section was actually better. I'm quite a a planner um and I'm quite a um my husband would call me a hypochondriac um <laughs> but I'm I'm forever looking at Dr Google um and if I had known that I was having a c-section I probably would have done a lot of research about it and I probably mm. would have been researching other people's experiences recovery probably reading all the horror stories <laughs> and probably would have built it up in my head to be worse than it was mm-hmm. but I think because I didn't know what to expect when they mobilized me I just went with it yeah I was probably still um very happy on pain meds at that point as well which was helping but it meant that I did get mobile and I kept mobile and I didn't wasn't fearful about getting out of bed and and, and that so yeah um that probably helped a little bit um in my recovery but also being able to demonstrate to the midwife that I'm up and I'm about um, which would have got me home quicker because of course. they could see me moving around um, and things like that. But yeah, but I do, th- I do wonder whether I don't know if it's a new policy or if it's or if the twenty four hours has come in because they know that a I think they're quite busy um, and they need the beds, mm. but also that they know that people need the support of their partners and need to be at home and in comfort and have someone to pass the baby and the midwives realistically can't be sat next to you 24 hours a day passing the baby when you need the baby to be passed to you no um so yeah because there was one midwife to six of us and at the god yeah and at the when on the day that I got discharged the water was full Mm. um the not the more that morning it was only me and one other everyone else had been discharged um, but yeah, that that night, um, by the end of the, that day, by the time I went home, no, sorry, that was a, so the day after, the day two, um, it was me and one other. By the end of that day, and then I stayed one more night, it was full. So the second night I was in, there was six mums in there. Mm. COVID's not going to wait for anyone. Women are still going to have babies. Yeah, yeah. It's just the maternity services are so stretched. Yeah, Aww. and I think also you've probably had midwives having to isolate yeah um and getting covid and you know all sorts so um that's probably putting further strain on them but then also um and I don't know if there's any truth in this but you know they they there have been people saying that there are more babies around being born this time from now on because of lockdown um you know 
baby mm. boom potentially. Um, Lily was conceived very early on in the first lockdown. So um, I think that was March and we found out we we're pregnant in April. So mm-hmm. um, we would have been the first, the start of the babies that were conceived during lockdown being born. Yeah. Um, and if there, and if there was a boom, it was it was kind of only going to get busier, I guess. I think you probably suffered your, um, as you say, the lot of the first lot of mums um, because they didn't know how to respond to it. So yeah. partners were not allowed to come into the scans. You know, you were only allowed an hour on the post postnatal ward. So you guys might have even been kind of like the trial run. Do you see what yeah. I mean? And then they could make the alterations based on the feedback and what was actually going to be possible for parents. So you, yeah. you sound like you're pretty resilient, to be honest. Yeah. And I think because one of the things that you're saying that one of the things that really got to me during the, the um, when I was pregnant was I had a consultant appointment and the letter said you can bring your part, you can bring your partner, you can bring someone with you to the appointment. I was like, is this real? Have they like, printed this letter wrong? Because this I haven't been able to take him to anything else. So why can I take him to this? So I tried to ring, but I didn't get any answer on the phone, unfortunately. So I sent an email. They came back to me saying, yep, you can bring your partner. Great. So Chris comes with me. We get to the front desk. And then the, the receptionist says, oh, he can't come in with you. And oh, I was no. like, I said, but I've rung. I, brought, I tried to ring. No one answered. I said, and I sent an email and I got a reply saying, that he could come they said oh yeah that's it he's sorry because their rooms are bigger but he can't come here because the rooms aren't big enough and I just burst into tears in the in the waiting room Chris went down to the car I just burst into tears it wasn't like I mean it was probably hormones more than anything if it was more the I felt for him I think because I I hadn't had him at any of the other appointments I kind of got used to that I guess being a first-time mum it was and having it from the very beginning I think it was easier for me in a way because it I didn't have him there to then miss him. Mm. Um, but because they told me that he was he was able to come, my expectation had been set that he was able to be there. Then when he wasn't able to be there, I was disappointed. Really, yeah, really kind of disappointed and upset about it. Um, but yeah, they the consultant said that he could we could call him. So um, we called him when all the kind of important questions needed to be asked and things like that. So that's good. Um, and he, he was able to kind of, kind of hit up, but it also meant a lot of pre-thinking and pre-planning, I guess, because we would have conversations the night before my appointment. Is there anything I need to ask the midwife? Is there anything you want to know? Is, you know, so we would, then I would go in with, armed with a list of anything that I needed to kind of ask and find out. Mm. Um, yeah. So let's go postnatal. So beautiful Lily has been born. You've come home. Yeah. Yeah. So um, midwife appointments, were they coming to you or were you having to go somewhere? So um, the day, the first appointment, so it was day three, um, she, they called me and we had a, they answered all, kind of asked all the questions that they needed to ask over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they did come out to the house and see me and checked my scar and showed me how to do Because actually I got discharged with the... Um, Plexane anti-clotting injections mm-hmm. yep but no one showed me how to do them oh. so obviously people had done them to me when I was in hospital but I wasn't really paying attention because I didn't really kind of think that I needed to you know needed to pay attention to it mm-hmm. so um she showed me well showed Chris how to do them and Chris done them for me for the next 10 days um 
so yeah she came out and did that but that was a very quick appointment um I didn't get a time so she just said morning and then it got to about 12 o'clock and she hadn't, the middle of hadn't turned up and I really needed a shower. <laughs> so I got in the shower and then obviously five minutes later, the doorbell rang. Yeah, of course it did. Um, <laughs> she had done that at 10 o'clock and then she would have come at five past then. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, but then from day five and day 10, um, and actually I had to go at day eight as well. Um, I had to go to them, which was quite tricky, mm. I would say. Um particularly having a c-section um and not being able to lift so and not being able to drive which is actually I guess having an emergency c-section was something else I hadn't planned for Mm. and I hadn't got my head around the fact like I can't just get in the car um so obviously Chris was on paternity so he could take me um and then yeah so we had um day five day eight and then it was supposed to be day 10 but I got a notification from track and trace five days after I left hospital to say you've been in in contact with someone um which was when I was in hospital oh no yeah again thankfully I didn't get it and I think from what I could pick up and where I was I think the covid positive ward for the maternity unit was literally like across the way through some doors and it was all closed but Mm -hmm. like I could see the doors from my bed Mm -hmm. so and obviously my phone was there um and yeah so I was probably not two meters away but for 48 hours in Mm -hmm. close proximity to people who were COVID positive yeah so if anyone's listening and they're going to be going in soon delete the track and trace app before you go <laughs> because getting that notification day five when you know day three to five hormones that's when they say they're the worst yeah, although I would course. say day three to day 14 um oh. day five getting that that on day five um was a massive blow mm. um and just when I need to be getting out well actually I couldn't really get out but you know and and that is what I needed I didn't need to be told that I needed to self-isolate and I I couldn't be kind of around people but Mm. so I had five days left at the point that they told me that I'd been in contact with someone um which meant that my day 10 appointment got cancelled again (laughs) um so yeah I didn't get seen to day 12 but yeah they were all I had to go to them and they were early like (laughs) I think my first one was 10 o'clock and then the next one was 9.30 and I'm like, getting, I can barely get myself ready for that time. Let yep. baby too. And um, <laughs> the other thing that I found really frustrating was, and I mean, I know that this isn't kind of their fault, but um, they were running late. Mm. So on, I had obviously timed Lily being fed, Lily being changed with, my appointment yeah and yeah. get there and they're running 20 30 minutes late Lily wants feeding again she's pooed everywhere I'm like I don't really want to go and change her because um I don't want to miss my appointment and actually what happened was she I think she pooed just as we got in the car but I was like oh it's fine because they're going to weigh her so I'm going to be taking a nappy off I just can do a quick change and and wipe then when they do it but because they were so late that didn't work and I had to then go and muddle my way through to um 
get her changed in the toilets. Didn't realise there was actually baby change toilets, so I'm changing her on a bloody sink oh, in the no. in the toilets. Um, and then I come out, and they're like looking for me, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm oh, here. <laughs> I've been here all this time. You guys are the ones that are late. Oh so, God, yeah. it's so glamorous being a mum. Oh <laughs> yeah. And I was eyeing up all these seats, and I was like. Could I just whack her, whack the changing mat out there and change her there? Oh, not sure. Not sure I can bend down that far. Yes. The C-section, like. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, how are you feeling now? How's your how's your scar and everything now? Yeah, it was. It's okay now. I finally, started to heal. Um, I was a bit unstable on my feet after the C-section. I unfortunately, fell over twice. Um, so the first time, slipped on mud. For the first time, um, I'm not the scar hadn't quite healed fully, Ooh. and I think that it um just jostled it a bit and I needed antibiotics, okay. Um, and then finished the course of antibiotics and fell over again the next day. But thankfully, um, I think the scar was a little bit more resilient this time, and um, yeah, it's been fine. And I had my well, six week checkup at eight weeks, yeah, um, and Lily's check too and yeah it's all healed and all, all going in the right direction so fine I'm just it's still a bit tender still a bit sore yeah. I still feel like I'm doing an ab workout every time I try to get out of bed <laughs> or laugh <laughs> or sneeze or laugh, yeah <laughs> um but yeah other than that it's fine it's just Good. my back now Lily's um on the she's doing well on the centiles and she's she'll be 10 weeks on Monday and last time when she was weighed at her eight weeks um check she was 12 pound three um so she's yeah she's definitely putting on weight but definitely giving me backache at the same Ooh. time <laughs> are you still exclusively breastfeeding yes well there's gold top in those boobs then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that hasn't helped the back because mm. the um position that I find easiest to breastfeed her in is rugby ball yeah mm-hmm. um so whilst I'm I try to bring um Lily to me there is a little bit of element I have to come a little bit lower down to her because otherwise I'd need 50 pillows um and that's not comfy for anyone no (laughs) (laughs) how are you finding the breastfeeding um yeah it's okay it's a lot harder than I kind of had um expected it to be isn't it um yeah and thankfully I've I had a a a mum friend who had baby in June who was very honest um so she gave me lots of hints and tips sent me lots of articles um and kind of really prepared me for the fact that it's it's going to be hard yeah because otherwise I don't think I would have anticipated exactly how hard it would be um thankfully one of the antenatal um sessions we managed to have in person um was the breastfeeding one and honestly if I didn't have that I think that I probably wouldn't be where I am right now with it amazing um there was dolls and we practiced mm-hmm. with the dolls um and you know the midwife who runs it um who's fab and was actually my midwife um in my community midwife anyway so that was oh, really that's lovely. lovely good and lovely for Chris as well because it means that um Chris got to meet her um obviously he wasn't able to come to any of the appointments but he got to see who I was talking to and have a lot of trusted her as well um so yeah she came over and checked and kind of adjusted the doll of where the doll should be and I think that helped because otherwise I wouldn't have I genuinely wouldn't have had a clue no it's really hard and you have to learn together yeah definitely 
Um, what's the one piece of advice that you have learned yourself that you would give any other mum? Oh gosh, one piece of advice. Breastfeeding. Breastfeeding. Um, n- never give up on a bad day. Mm-hmm. So if you if you feel like you um, want to quit, wait and reassess. Um, and actually, there was something that when I was in hospital, um, it was literally we were being discharged. Chris was on on his way to pick us up, and Lily needed to be fed, and I just couldn't get her to latch. Mm. And I had taken some formula with me um, to the hospital, and um, I needed a, a bottle that they had. They had obviously the sterilised throwaway bottles. Um, so I asked them, asked my wife, "Can I have a bottle?" Um, and they said, yeah, that's fine. Went away. Took forever and ever and ever. So another midwife came over and I said, I'm waiting for a bottle. Can, um, would you be able to get me one, please? And she said, are you sure? And I said, well, Lily just needs to be fed. I just want to go home. I just, I, I'd rather have a bottle. Mm. Um, and she said, should we try to latch you up, latch Lily on? And I was like, yeah, go on then, you know. And they latched Lily on, Lily was fine she fed she was happy and I think actually if it wasn't for that midwife I probably would have given up oh, because wow. I would I would I would have given Lily the formula and then I would have seen that the formula you know was working was happy was easier um, and I would have said let's just give her formula mm-hmm. but I, I I kind of went into breastfeeding thinking if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't because I didn't want to put pressure on myself because I know a lot of mums have put pressure on it and I you yeah. know if I needed to combi feed I needed to combi feed mm-hmm. um if if it didn't work for us then um we would you know um, she could be formula fed fed baby is best is kind of what I was kind of thinking um but now I'd be really upset if um I had to stop because yeah. really really enjoy breastfeeding and I really enjoy the bonds that I have with Lily and as much as I hate getting up in the middle of the night, <laughs> they're my favourite feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and also I'm really happy that I don't need to be faffing around in the middle of the night trying to prepare a bottle because I think yeah. I'm driving crazy. I know breastfeeding and formula feeding have their swings and roundabouts. They really do. But you're right. Yeah. It's the cuddling and the, the love hormones and yeah. everything that goes with it. It's, it's wonderful. And the fact yeah. that you're still doing it is so good. Really, really yeah. good. So I now just hope that I um, oh, <laughs> I now just hope that it we continue to work and um we, you know, we can you know, I don't have a kind of set goal in mind. Uh, let's get hopefully get to six months first and then we can mm-hmm. reassess at six yeah. months and see where we go from there. Six months is good going. So yeah, yeah. anything, anything is good. And she's <laughs> although the people can't actually um see this, but she's got one hand just there. <laughs> Yep. that's mine <laughs> protecting them yeah <laughs> don't come anywhere near it <laughs> um okay let's let's just move on finally talking about mental health through covid for new parents yeah. um how do you reckon you've been um ups and downs i think mm-hmm. i think um obviously the first 12 weeks in pregnancy um is an incredibly anxious time for everyone. I mean, pregnancy generally is, uh, you know, anxiety provoking, but the first 12 weeks were particularly hard for me. 
Um, and after the loss, I had um, reached out to an organisation um, for counselling. Yeah. And um, obviously, I was seeing them face to face, but then it went virtual. And we, I kind of stopped seeing them. But when I found out I was pregnant, I reached back out. Reached back out. It hadn't been long. It probably only been a couple of weeks. And I said, actually, do you mind if we pick back up again? Um, and my counsellor spoke to me um, weekly at the beginning and then went down to fortnightly and then finally kind of three weekly towards the end of the 12 weeks um, and kind of stayed with me throughout that period. And I think if I didn't have her, mm-hmm. because the thought, the irrational kind of thoughts that you, you get sometimes about is my baby okay? Yeah. Um, is, is history going to re- repeat itself? How am I going to know that everything's all right? Um it was really helpful to be able to talk to someone about it that wasn't in my space and wasn't mm-hmm. in my personal life. And I could just be a little bit crazy too, if I needed to be. Mm. Um, and also during that, the first 12 weeks, I got offered a um, promotion at work and I am denied. I, so I, when I interviewed, I didn't know I was pregnant, found out I was pregnant, got offered the job. Um, I didn't know whether I should take it. Um, I, I work with people and it was um, would mean that I've had to leave those people, mm-hmm. um, which was hard. And I didn't know whether ethically and morally I should take it. But in, on the other hand, I was also like, I don't know what's going to happen. I can't predict the future. It's so early on in the pregnancy um, that I said, no, I'm going to take it because I can't put my life on hold for something that may not happen. Yeah. Um, so I took it. I told them quite early on um, that, this was the situation um and yeah they were very supportive very very uh, very fine about it but that also kind of added into kind of my mental health and where I was thinking and, and and stuff um from then on the pregnancy it was generally okay it was just kind of the normal kind of thoughts um but then postnatally as I said the first 14 days were pretty shocking um, I mean shocking as in unexpected mm-hmm. um I didn't know what to expect and I didn't quite realize how much those hormones were going to affect me and how thick and fast they come in um and also <laughs> the sleep deprivation yeah um and just trying to work out how you keep a human alive and doing it kind of on your own because there wasn't mm-hmm. the services there yeah um, but when the hormones settled down, um, felt much better. Um, but I think that it's the isolation that's been really hard. Mm-hmm. I think um, not having visitors come around, although I was very thankful in the first 14 days. And actually looking back, I don't know how new mums have done it previously when they've got people traipsing in and out of the house in the first 14 days, because I would not have appreciated that. So actually, <laughs> I really enjoyed having that time where it was just, Chris, Lily and I Mm -hmm. getting to know each other, working out our routine. And also, I think being able to breastfeed and get that established in that first two weeks was key. And being able to just be braless and latch her when she needed to latch and not worry about what I was doing and who was there and Mm -hmm. and, and what else I think, I think was what I needed. Mm -hmm. I would, I would say I didn't feel kind of, um, confident in myself and kind of my role as Lily's mum until week four and that was when I felt like I could you know I've got this and I was getting out the house Mm -hmm. obviously because the c-section I wasn't able to be 
getting out as much as I would have wanted to as early as I wanted to but you know I felt confident taking her out on my own we at that point I was okay to drive because the pain had subsided so I felt okay taking her out in the car and we were getting out and about and I think that really helped Mm. um but the things that my friends and family are missing those newborn cuddles that you know she's 10 weeks and she's barely met anyone um yeah and I think not having the groups um baby groups toddler groups you know it's been that's been really really tough um because I don't have a large so, uh, circle of um, mums um I'm one of the first in my kind of area the ones okay. that I do have live across the country they're kind of friends that I've met through uni so that we're not kind of local mm-hmm. um so I think that that's been been really really tough in not being able to kind of even just go for a walk um with, with, with people and now I have been able to do that a little bit more um now that kind of lockdown has eased a little bit and we've mm-hmm. been given a bit more of um relaxation on that it's definitely helped and I need to get out every day okay so, yeah for, and and Lily needs to get out every day mm. because Lily will be grizzly if she doesn't and I get grizzly if I'm not as well <laughs> so um I find that the days that we've stayed in by five o'clock I've got a headache and I'm more tired than I would be if I was going out yes yeah um so that's been really important for me and my mental health is just making sure that we've got something we do so I'm really looking forward to I've already got some um I've got swimming lined up um for April and I've got um some busy Lizzie classes um as well that I'll be going to when when the world reopens and I'm really looking forward to that I'm really yeah. looking forward to being able to get out and do something but also connect with other new mums um and I'm looking forward to being able to go to a coffee shop and and things like that because the other side of the breastfeeding at the moment is I was out um and needed Lily needed feeding but there's nowhere to sit and no. it's cold um so it's it, it is it does make it really tricky um at the moment so I'm looking forward to when the world does open up and mm. um hopefully that will help oh wow I I just can't imagine being a first-time mum through COVID mm. I really can't I mean thank you for being so honest mm. as well I think a lot of people will really want to hear that it's not all bells and whistles. This is exactly how it is. This is what I found difficult. And this is what I'm hoping to come out of it. That's amazing. I wouldn't wouldn't change it. I mean, you know, Lily is um, a delight. She's lovely. Chris and I um, have really kind of settled into our groove as kind of new parents and getting to know her and Lily getting to know us. Um, And whilst COVID has brought a lot of negatives there have been some positives as well mm-hmm. um so you know and particularly that that ability for us to bond in the first two weeks yes um and and to establish breastfeeding they have been the the kind of key things and do you know what I said to Chris that if we do have another baby um so I'm protecting that first two weeks um and mm. for those first two weeks it is just going to be us as a family because I think it's really important um and also as a new mum with your hormones all over the place you don't really want to be seeing people they'll probably rub you up the wrong way yeah (laughs) you probably end up snapping at them (laughs) yeah so um yeah it's definitely given me a lot to lot to learn and I think that you know this COVID is going to make history in terms of um the the pandemic and it's going to be talked about 
in schools and things like that for years to come and to be able to say to Lily that actually you your your, your preg- my pregnancy with you was throughout the pandemic and you were born we we, we I was in labor when Boris announced lockdown number three of course yeah so I went into the hospital being able to be a little bit free and I came out not being able to yeah be free, which was actually really hard to process because I didn't quite realize how strict the lockdown was mm-hmm. um and and that actually it was full-blown national lockdown like it was back in March mm-hmm. um so that that kind of didn't register with my brain because I didn't hear it um yeah because obviously we were preoccupied <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh you've got your first mother's day on Sunday yeah <laughs> oh oh it's so gonna be probably just be a walk because yeah can't do, and a card. Can't do much else <laughs> yeah and a card <laughs> There is oh, a from box Lily. Of, <laughs> and there's a box with a present in it somewhere I've I've seen. So oh, wonderful. Oh, well, she's been good as gold. She's yeah, she's she not has. made a sound. Bless her. We've been lulled Hopefully, to sleep. she'll go down for a good night. <laughs> yeah. If not, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's yeah. been asleep all this time. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Oh, thank you. Well, it's been it's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. No, welcome. Thank you. That's all right. No worries. Thank you for listening to this episode of West Sussex Doula. Everything that you have heard in this episode has been the opinion and the story of the person involved. Please follow me on Instagram at West Sussex Doula, Facebook West Sussex Doula, or visit my website www.westsussexdoula.com.